Grab your Bibles, turn to the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. The book of Colossians chapter 3. And we're looking today at the subject of how to keep from overheating in your relationships. As you're turning to the book of Colossians, can I ask you a couple of questions? How many of you got a relationship that's strained right now? Strained relationship. I believe I'm speaking to people today who parents who have strained relationships, children have strained with relationships with their parents, husbands and wives. We're living in a time where there are great needs. And I dare say this morning, you and I need breakthroughs. I'm convinced we need, maybe it's a friendship relationship. And as I mentioned to you earlier, I had the privilege yesterday to be at the wedding. It really, uh, Chase and Mitzi have been married for a while now. I met with them premarital counseling a while back, and they went ahead, and this was the official wedding ceremony. And so we rejoice in that. And as I mentioned to you earlier as well, my dear sweet wife and I, 40 years of uh, marriage today, July the 11th, I'll never forget it. My time passes by so quickly. I've often said to you, we started off with nothing and we got most of that left. Uh, most of you know what I'm talking about. Uh, I've told you that when you say those vows, for better or for worse, I couldn't do any better, she couldn't do any worse. I'll be honest with you. It's not easy to be married to a preacher. I'll be honest with you. No, it's not. Because I know that uh, I'm, you know, like you are. I want to be a Christian man, a man of God, and therefore... Uh, I know it's challenging for Deanna, and I thank God for her faithfulness, her support all these years, faithful to God, works full-time, and full-time pastor's wife, my soul. She's got her plate filled up, so thank you for encouraging her. By the way, did you hear about the couple that have been married over 50 years? And we, by the way, celebrated our 50th year anniversary going to the Grand Canyon Anyway, this particular couple had been married over 50 years. Somebody said, how in the world did you do it? The old boy said, well, we went to the Grand Canyon and we were riding on these mules down in the Grand Canyon, this big hole in the ground, Brother Ralph. And he said, about that time, one of the old mules slipped. My wife said, when we first got married, we were on our honeymoon. He, she said, that's one. He said, we walked a little further, and the old mule slipped again. She said, that's two. He said, we went just a little bit further, and the old mule slipped again. She pulled out her pistol, boom, shot the mule dead. He said, I looked at her and said, why'd you do that? She said, that's one. We've been married all these 50 years. One man said, we've been married 50 years. He said, uh, I decided uh, when we got married over 50 years ago that I'd make the big decisions and my wife would make the small decisions. Somebody said, how's it been? He said, great. I hadn't had one big decision so far in 50 years. All right. Hey, look, uh, marriage relationships. How many of y'all got a hot water heater? A hot water heater. Hello. All of you got a hot water heater unless you live in the boondocks. Anyway, you know on that hot water heater, it's got what's called a relief valve. How many know what I'm talking about? And you know what that relief valve is for? That relief valve, pop-off valve, as we used to call it, in case that thermostat malfunctions and the intensity of that heat builds and builds and builds inside of that tank. To the point, if the thermostat malfunctions, that the pop-off valve will release the pressure inside of that hot water tank. I've got news for you. 
hey, there's some of us that the pressure is building and building and building and your relationship, you can't handle it anymore and you're about ready to ventilate. I've got good news, the Holy Ghost of God. You can ventilate with the Holy Ghost of God. You can pop off your, uh, your frust- as you said, John, your frustrations. And agi- Now look, we can all play church like we don't have any problems, but I've been around long enough to know that every one of us in here have burdens for our children, burdens for our grandchildren, burdens for our family. Many of them aren't in church. Many of them aren't serving God. And if we're not burdened, we need to be burdened. Amen. To the point we're willing to pray and trust God. So breakthroughs today. We're looking today at this subject, how to keep from overheating in your relationships. We're looking at the book of Colossians. I love the book of Colossians. If you took a brief study of the book of Colossians, you'll find out the Apostle Paul is the author as he's led by the Holy Spirit. Wait a minute. Where is he at? What's he doing? What's this epistle about? What does he address? How does this relate to us? Paul is none other in prison at the time. This is what we call a prison epistle. In all indication, Paul never visited this church. As a matter of fact, we were at this place in Colossae just a few years ago. I stood there where this particular place is, Colossae. But Paul probably sent this letter, we're told, by a man by the name of Epaphras. What is he addressing? Why is he writing this letter? Who is it to? How does it relate to us? I'm glad you asked those questions because Paul is writing this letter primarily to demonstrate slash illustrate that Jesus Christ is our sufficiency. In fact, in that particular church, people were looking for other things as far as worship of angels, as far as asceticism, which means cutting yourself, as if they would grow more spiritual. I want to tell you something. A lot of people today are looking for something else. They have not discovered that Jesus is everything. He's our sufficiency. And Paul makes that crystal clear as he says in chapter 1, verse 15. He's the image of the invisible God. The word image there is the word icon. We're not going to stop at verse chapter 1. I'm going to skim through these chapters to lead us to chapter 3. But in chapter 1, he says, for example, Jesus Christ created all things. Verse 16, by him were all things created, heaven and earth, thrones and dominions, principalities and powers. All things created by him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things consist. He's the head of the body of the church, who's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. That means first place. And then we come to chapter 2. He says, for example, in chapter 2, verse 9, In him Christ dwells. That word dwell is oikos, which means at home. In him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form. That word fullness is the word in chapter 2, verse 9. Pleroma, which means the totality of God the Father is seen God the Son. Why am I saying this? I know most of you believe this, but there's a world out there, a pluralistic society that does not believe that Jesus Christ was God and that he's our sufficiency. I talked with a young lady just on Friday night. She had gone to a camp. She said, Pastor, they're telling me I need this and that. I said, all you need is Jesus, bless God. When you got Jesus, you got everything. Oh, yes, I need somebody to help me there. If you've gotten over your relationship with the Lord, you, (laughs) you need to check up. And then we come to chapter 2, verse 10. Hey, right after that last chapter, that verse that I just quoted, verse 9, listen to what Paul said. And in him, in him, in Christ Jesus, who dwells all the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form, in him 
ye are complete in him. The word complete there is the word play Romo again. In Jesus we have everything. In him we live and move and have our being. I'm convinced the average Christian is not and we have not tapped in to the unlimited resources which are available for us in Jesus Christ. Today we're facing depression. Today we're being defeated. Today we're uh, harboring bitterness and resentment. Today we're not experiencing resurrection power. We're not walking in the Spirit. Why? Because we need to return to our first love. Amen and amen and amen. Well, we come to chapter 2 and verse 13 through 15. And Paul says, he blotted out. He's forgiven our sins. Hallelujah. Can I get somebody to say amen? Our sins are forgiven. Hallelujah. Don't get over that. Please don't get over that. And he said, having blotted out the handwriting of the ordinance was against us. Having nailed it to his cross. I love that. And then he says, stripped and spoiled principalities and powers and made a public open display of them trumpeting over them in it. I said all that to lead us to chapter 3. Why? Because uh, we need to understand the context of the book of Colossians. We're going to get a really lightning speed overview and then we're going to launch into how to keep from overheating in our relationships. But I feel like it's vital that we not just come to church and have a little uh, verse here or half a verse here, but rather let's get steeped in the Word of God. Why? Because faith comes with hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And I'm convinced the only way we're going to live in victory today is get the Word of God in us and through the power of the Holy Ghost. So we come to chapter 3 of the book of Colossians. How many in chapter 3? Let me see your hand. Raise your, uh, if you're there, lift your Bible up. I want to see, make sure you got your Bible. Very good. Hallelujah. I love it. And in uh, chapter 3, verse 1, here's what I want you to remember. And really our text is from verse 8 to verse 14. But I'm going to lead up to verse 8. But if you're taking notes, you'll write down these three words. Are you ready? Here they are. Past, present, future. Now that doesn't have to do with our message. That's leading into the message, okay? Chapter 3, verse 1, past. You ready? Verse 1. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Wait a minute. Stop right there. If ye be risen with Christ. The word if can be translated since. Since. And by the way, the word been risen. If since ye have been risen. It's in what we call the aorist tense. Now, some of you may not care about this, but if you're a student of the Bible, you will care about what I'm fixing to say because you'll totally misunderstand what Paul's saying here and the Holy Spirit's saying here if you read into that and say this is a futuristic event. Wrong. This is a past event, aorist tense. If ye then be risen with Christ, if or since, you say, but pastor, what do you mean past event? How many of y'all are saved? Let me see your hand. And you know you're saved. Paul's saying the moment you get born again, the moment the Holy Spirit quickens life in you, that's when we become bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. That's when God the Father engrafts us into his son, his co-crucifixion, his co-burial, yea, his co-resurrection. And Paul is saying, positionally, you're already risen with Christ. But conditionally, do you get that? Positionally, conditionally. Our position affects our condition. Oh, well, you, you didn't hear me. I said our position in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. 
That's what he means when he says throughout all these epistles, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. God the Father already sees us in Christ, seated with him in heavenly places. But he's saying that's a past tense event. If ye be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Here's the present tense. You ready? I told you three words. Past, present, future. Now I'm moving from past to the present. Look at verse 1. If ye be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. How many of y'all are seeking the things above these days? Man, it's hard to do that. How many of you know we're, we're distracted? We're bombarded with stuff all the time. And that's why we're tired and worn out. We got information overload. So much going on. But thank God you're taking time today to wait upon the Lord. Seek those things which are above. Now look at verse number 2. Set your affections on the things above, for you're dead and your life is hid with Christ and God. Set your affections. I'm telling you this. How many have been worried lately? I'm telling you this. How many have been stressed out lately? There's something about it when I get stressed out, and I do quite often. If I don't go to the Lord and start setting my mind on the things above, the devil will win. And the flesh will win. And see, this is where we can't give in to the enemy. Set your affections. Guard your heart with all diligence. Out of it flows the issues of life. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Set your affections on things above, for you are dead. And notice he said, your life is hid with Christ and God. See that word hid? It's the word crypto. It means God has sealed us in Christ. You're dead. Your life is hid with Christ and God. I love verse 4. Remember I told you the past, present, future? Past is verse 1. If ye be risen with Christ, since you're risen with Christ, the moment you were saved, you were placed in him, and one day, thank God, we will fly away. But secondly, the present tense, set your affections on the things above. Today, you need to draw near to God. He said he'll draw near to you. Today, you need to say, God, reprogram my thinking. I've been thinking negatively. I've been critical. I've been judgmental. I've been a stumbling block. Oh, God, correct my thinking. But thirdly, notice the future tense. When Christ, verse 3 and 4 of Colossians chapter 3, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear. I love that word appear. It's the word fanirothe. When Christ, who is our life, hear you sing about it, Johnny, shall appear, shall appear. Then shall we appear with him in glory. So there's the future. Christ will come again. And appear. I said all that. Now I want to skip down as this wonderful epistle now moves into what the Lord has led me today, this week, to describe how to keep from overheating in your relationships. And there are two main points that you need to perhaps write down today. You ready for them? Number one. What are the causes of overheating? What are the causes of overheating? And then number two, what is the cure from overheating? These two thoughts, I believe, will define as we do an exegetical study of the Word of God today, how to keep from overheating in your relationships. Stand, please, as we read the Word of God, chapter 3, and our text today starts in verse 8. I love it to study the Bible, don't you? I love it to study the Bible. I'm convinced many of you may not jump up and turn a backflip. Y'all might not get excited as some people do. But I'm convinced God honors his word. He said, 
faith because we're hearing, and his word will not return to me void. So even though you might not catch all of this at one time, I believe there's some of us that need to let some things go. I believe there's some of us that need to hold on some things. I believe there's some of us that need to move on. Stuff that's happened in the past, past relationships. The devil just keeps wearing you out about that stuff. You need to move on. You need to forgive. You need healing in your life. As long as you're not going to get serious about it, you're going to continue to be defeated about it. We've got to get humble before the Lord and let God give us grace to be in place. Amen. We'll talk about that in a moment. Look at verse 8. I'm sorry, go back to verse 5. Go to verse 5. If you're in verse 5, say amen. amen. Mortify. What does that word mean? Mortify. What does that word mean? Mortify. What does that word mean? It's the word we get our word from necromancy. To put to death. Mortify. Put to death. It's in the aorist tense. But wait a minute. What are we to put to death? Keep reading. Mortify, Paul says, after he says, we are risen with Christ, set our affections on the things above, and Christ will appear. Mortify. Here's present day living. Mortify, therefore, your members. Remember, he's talking to Christians. Which are upon the earth. What's the first one? What's the first one? Thank you. The word is pornea. It's where we get our word pornography. I talked with a man this week. He said, Pastor, he's not a member of this church. He said, Pastor, I'm having real problems with pornography in my life. I said, thank you, man, for being honest. I know a lot of men that are having problems with pornography. I know a lot of women that are having problems with pornography. And, and the Bible says there is no temptation taken you, but such as common a man. But God is faithful to not allow you to be tempted above that you're able. But with the temptation, make a way to escape, that you may be able to bear it. Look. We can't help the first, first look, but we can the second, third, and fourth. And when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Some of us today need to get this thing and put it on the altar and say, God, I've been slipping in this area. My mind hadn't really been pure, and I just need, Lord, you to give a breakthrough in my heart to help me to keep my mind stayed on you. And it's a choice. You don't have to click on that button. You don't have to get that move. You, you, can, you can make a choice, and the Holy Spirit will enable you. Hallelujah. Now then, keep reading. Verse number 5. Mortify, therefore, you members of your earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence. What in the world does that word mean? It means lust. Epithuma is the word. Lust, craving, and covetousness. Greed, and, which is idolatry. You say, Brother Pastor, man, you're describing our modern-day society. Yep. And we, we're to be different than the modern-day society. Why? Because Christ is in us, the hope of glory. Yeah, we've got to be in the world, but we don't have to be of the world because greater is he that's in me than he's in the world. Hallelujah. Yeah, I know you're battling, but there's victory in Jesus. Now, now some of us are living to feed him. We're not really living, and you know what's going on in your life. I love you. And, and we're here to bear burdens with you. We're here to pray with you. We're not... We're not perfect until we get to heaven. But there's victory in Jesus. I love to see breakthroughs. Keep reading. Verse 5, verse 6. For which things shall the wrath of God come on the children of disobedience, in which ye also walk sometime. Paul saying, before you were saved, this is how you acted. This is how you lived. Which ye lived in them. But look at verse 8. Here's our text. Verse 8 through 14. And I'm done reading. You can sit down. And now you have... What's the next word? Put off. Say it with me. Put off. Say it with me. One more time. 
You have put off. Again, that's aorist tense. It's something that he's saying once you get saved. This something obviously is a, a present uh, event, but it's you put off. Notice, you've renounced. If you're taking notes, you'll note that word, renounce. You've renounced all of these. Listen to this category. We're talking about relationships. And I know the best, very best of relationships in this church right now have been strained at times. The very best of relationships have been strained at times. I know you. I love you. And there's no perfect relationship, no perfect wife, no perfect husband, no perfect dad, no perfect mom, no perfect children. All of our relationships, the devil is after. Amen. And I know this applies to everybody now. Let's be honest. Now then, you put off all these, what? Anger. You've been angry lately? You've been overheating lately? Hot weather. Man, it's easy to, you know, get mad. And, boy, I tell you. Anger. Wrath. Malice, blasphemy. Look at this next phrase, filthy communication out of your mouth. Why is it we've accepted having a filthy mouth? Why is it our society has accepted having a filthy mouth? I'll tell you something, when Jesus comes in, the devil's got to go out. And I'll tell you something else, when Jesus cleans us up on the inside, he cleans our mouth up too. And I'm not saying perfection, but look, don't buy into the world that you've got to cuss and live like a heathen. You don't. There's victory in Jesus. And when he cleans up our heart, he cleans up our mouth too. I used to have a filthy mouth. Can I get a witness? Y'all don't look at me like you're self-righteous Pharisees. I did. And whether you did or not, but when Jesus saved me, buddy, that language changed too. Have you noticed that? Can I get a witness back there? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, look. Filthy communication. You can't turn on TV and all this stuff, and they're cussing like, nobody's business and if we're not careful we just embrace it and incorporate it in our own life we need to get to altar and say God change our language and, and I mean I'm serious I'm not talking about perfection here I'm not talking about holy you know Pharisee I'm just talking about God our testimony our children listen to us lie not one to another seeing that you have what's this put off verse 9 the old man with his deeds before you were saved, look at verse 10. I like this. This is good news. And have put on, put on. Yes, put on. In duo is the word clothe. You put on the new man. Once you got saved, there's a new creature in Christ. Hallelujah. Which is renewed. The word renewed there is to make new in the knowledge after the image of him that created him. You see, once we find out what God's done for us, then we walk in it. If we don't know what the Lord's done for us and who he is in us, we can't walk in and experience his Spirit-filled living. But keep on reading. He says, verse 11, whether there, uh, whether there is neither Jew or Greek, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is all and in all. Here's verse 12. Put on. Paul's talking to the church, Christians. Put on. Therefore, as the elect of God, I'll come back to that word. That word elect is lectos. It's used both for Israel and the church. Please note that. There are those who say that the word elect is only used for Israel. I beg your pardon. Right here is a prime example. Elect, electos is used for both Christians and the Jews. The church does not replace Israel, and yet elect is used in both senses. How do we know the difference? According to the context. In here, it's the church, all right? I feel like that's very important as we've been studying Bible prophecy. Look at verse 12. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of compassion, mercies, kindness, and uh, humbleness of mind. 
Either you're going to get hardened or humble. Life has a way of handing you lemons. Man, all of us got problems. All of us got issues. And some of us today, we're mad. We're angry. We're hardened. Why? Because we're not humble. And God says, if you don't get down on your knees, and if I don't get down on my knees, I'll get hardened, callous, angry, Amen. critical, judgmental. That's where the average Christian is today. Today we can, you know, we don't have to talk a lot, but you get out there on um, Monday through Friday and Saturday, see how we respond to people, that anger will come out. Keep on reading. Verse 13, forbearing, I love that word, putting up with one another and forgiving, letting go of one another. How many need to forgive somebody today? If any man hath a quarrel against any as Christ, I love it, forgave you, so do ye also, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the perfect bond of perfectness. That word perfectness means maturity. Father, Lord, I stand in need today. I believe everybody does that names your name. If there's here some today that aren't converted, today will be that day. But those of us that are, search us, cleanse us, fill us, and change us for your glory. Rebuild our relationships, oh God. Things we can't control, people we can't control, but thank you, you're in control. In Jesus' name, and the church said, Amen. you may be seated. Let's go through this study. I believe this is a life-changing study. I believe God is going to use this in your life. Somebody says, oh, but little things don't bother me. You ever heard that? Little things don't bother me. You put a mosquito in the room with you and let it buzz around your ear all night long, and we'll see if little things don't bother you. Little things do bother you. Don't. I don't buy it. Yeah, I know what we mean by it. But anyway, hey, number one, what are the causes of oh, you're overheating your relationship? Put off these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, fit the communication out of your mouth. The causes. Here's what damages our relationship. Here's what tears down what God wants to build up. And some of us are harboring this anger. Orge is the word for anger, wrath is that seething hostility. All right, I want to give you three words that the Lord gave me, and I want to share them with you, see if you agree with me. These three words are practical words that I think we'll all relate to when it comes to our relationship with our wife or children. You ready? All right, number one, interruption. Interruption. Number two, inconveniences. Inconveniences. Number three, immaturity. First, interruptions. Secondly, inconveniences. Third, immaturity. Go back to number one. I think these things the devil is using. Interruptions. Will y'all be honest with me today? How many know that we live in such a fast-paced world and with the cell phones and with text messages and emails and everything coming in all the time? How many of us can really have a quality time with our family as long as our phones ringing, text messages, emails, telephone ringing, distractions, TV going, radio going, cut the grass, wash the dishes, do this, do that. We have got a lot of interruptions in our relationships today, and I think it's killing our marriages and our homes. So I don't know what you need to do. Maybe it's just turn your phone off or give them a message, say, I'll call you back. I'm preaching myself right there. I'm on call 24-7. I've been on call 24-7, 30 years. 
My phone rings all the time. I'm the kind, if it rings, I'm going to answer it. I'm going to text somebody back. And that's my fault. Because if I'm not careful, I can miss out on connecting in relationships. How many of y'all like me? All right, only one honest person in the church. Bless God. <laughs> well, if it may not be your cell phone, but if it's the TV, wait a minute, somebody's up to bat. Wait a minute, they're, they're, wait a minute, I can't talk right now. There's a UFC fight coming on. And I, well, what were you saying? And, 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 and no, no, I got to have this ad. Hey, how many of us today, husbands and wives, just need to rededicate our relationship, our time together, quality time? I talked with Jason Mitzi yesterday. I said, come here. I said, hey, you have got to get off together, period. She works. she got a business. He works full time. He's been to Southern Politic, got his degree. Now they're working all the time. And that's the case with many, many families. I don't, you know, I'm not being negative toward working. Thank God if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. And Lord knows, uh, you know, the work of the ministry is all the time, and it's a blessing. I can't believe Jesus saved me. I had not got over it yet. But anyway, here's the point. You've got to get off. If you don't get off, and there's all these interruptions, it's hard to develop a relationship. By the way, just because you get off doesn't mean you get off. Sometimes when you get off, there can be more interruptions. You've got to plan this. You've got you to prepare this. And somebody's got to take the initiative. Interruptions. By the way, interruptions, speaking of that, can I give you quickly the ABCs of a relationship? A, you know what it stands for, affection. Look, your spouse has needs. Your children, my children and grandchildren have needs. You say, but they're not doing stuff, and I don't know what to do, and I'm just the heck with it. I'm going to do my life. I'm going to do my thing. Wait a minute. God's saying, don't give up. God's saying, you got to work at it. Yes, it's him that's working in a spoke to will and do his good pleasure. You can't fix people, no. You can't fix everything, no. But A stands for affection. How many know there's a love tank in every single person? Love tank. T-A-N-K. There's a love tank in every person, and that love tank, truthfully, can only be filled up with Jesus Christ. But it's your responsibility and my responsibility to know what it is. But we're busy today, and I know I'm, I thank God that we're busy. Busyness without brokenness equals barrenness. Look at Martha. She's complaining about Mary. Mary, one thing's needful. We come to church, praise the Lord. We have church here, three services on Sunday morning, one service on Sunday night, one on Wednesday night. We have the privilege of uh, ministries going on, so we try to make available spiritual growth, and that's our desire. Not perfect, mind you, but a work in progress. Hey, look, interruptions, one, and affection, B, be filled with the Spirit, B, A, B, C, A, affection, B, be filled with the Spirit. No way you can fulfill your role as a husband or a wife without being filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5.18, be not drunk with wine for success. Be filled with the Spirit. Husbands, love your wives. Let's say that together. Husbands, love your wives. Say it with me. Husbands, as Christ loved the church, agape, unconditionally. Hey, I can love my wife as long as she's doing everything I want her to do, but when she don't do what I want her to do, then I know it takes grace to love unconditionally. And some of you right there, you say, dear God, I've run out of grace I need grace in place. I'm angry. I'm mad. I don't get respected. Wives, reverence your husband. 
You say, but he don't deserve it. Look what he does. The Bible doesn't say, look what he does. The Bible doesn't say, look how he acts. The Bible says, wives, reverence your husbands. A man wants to be respected. A woman wants to be loved. I tell you, they've been old-fashioned revival. Today, you say, Pastor, we've been married longer than you. Well, God bless you, but I guarantee you, your relationship's still a work in progress. You wait till you get older, too. You start having problems and more pressures and more challenges and physical issues. It's not going to be smooth sailing all the time. Can I get a witness? Then you're going to have to rise above. Right now, you may have your help. Nobody's bedridden. You're not having to take care of them. You're not having to put them in the shrine. Hello! We need the Lord. Not only now, but stuff you say, it's going good right now, but tomorrow may be a different day. God, help us to keep from overheating in our relationships. Interruptions, number two, inconveniences. Can I be honest? Are y'all like me? We have to be flexible because things don't always turn out like we want them to. And that can get you upset. How many of y'all are... I know you're not going to raise your hand, but how many of y'all are type A personalities? You schedule, buddy. It's got to be on schedule and it's this. Nothing wrong with that. But when something interrupts and something inconvenience, buddy, it can throw you for tailspin in a minute. I'll tell you what. I, you know, things come up, changes of plans, the electricity goes out, no internet. Hello! And it can get you highly upset. And there's some things we can't control. That's why we got to get to Jesus that we don't show our ugly flesh. <laughs> you can justify it if you want to, but it don't hold water with God. Jesus has made provision for us. Come on, let's be honest. And you say, well, I don't care what anybody else thinks. Well, your testimony, hello. So, inconveniences and interruptions. And then the number one need in marriages today, Christian counselors. It's not financial needs, surprisingly to you. It's not communication. It's not the number one need in marriages today or in families today. The number one need. The number one problem, you know what it is? Immaturity. You say, well, bless God, I've been this way all my life. Well, if you're immature, you need to change. Your wife may not be bold enough to tell you, but I'm going to tell you. And your husband may not be bold enough to tell you to... <laughs> Put on your big girl pants. <laughs> Put on your big boy pants. Stop soaking and whining about it. Hey, look, immaturity. That tells me the greatest need is for maturity, growing in the Lord. But that's not going to just happen by snapping your fingers. It's going to happen by getting before God and saying, search me, O Lord. These character traits, these generational things I'm dealing with, I've been excusing them. I've been blaming it on this person and that person. Well, I wouldn't have done this if you wouldn't have done that. Come on, we got to take responsibility. And it's easy to, that's what the world's doing. Shucking the, I wouldn't have done this. You wouldn't have done this. God, help us to be humble. One of the, hey, can I be honest with y'all? Men, see if you agree with me. I'm just saying this for my own sake. I don't know about you, but one of my most difficult things, see if you're like me, is to hard, it's difficult and hard to admit when I'm wrong. Bless God. Bud Greenway's the only honest man in the house of God today. Thank you, Johnny. You're honest. Thank you, David. Anybody else? 
Thank you, Calvin. Thank you, Brother Thomas. Anybody else? Thank you, Brother Charles. And you other people haven't raised your hand, you're lying. <laughs> you have a hard time dealing with saying you're wrong. We do. It's an ingrained thing. I, I, I do. I do. I'm just confessing. I'm being honest with you. But we can be wrong sometimes. By the way, don't forget this. Two wrongs don't make a right. I did that because you did this. I said this because you did this. And a lot of us knee-jerk reactions. Somebody said this, and I'm not just talking about spouses now. I'm talking about grandchildren. I'm talking about fat neighbors. Hey, look, we, can't, we don't need to just be a knee-jerk reaction. You said this, I did this. You did like a chess game. No, we need to be spirit-filled and have passion and vision what God wants us to do and how the Lord wants us to have our relationships. Many of us today, sitting in the house of God today, we're just going with the flow. We're just kind of sitting back and it's according to what happens, according to what they say, according to what they did. Hey, God's saying, you and I need to be proactive, serving Jesus, loving Jesus, seeking the Lord, being spirit-filled, and then the Holy Spirit will lead you. He'll bring you into relationships. He'll build the relationships. He'll bring healing and help and hope because He's a mighty God. Hallelujah. Oh, bless the Lord. All right, I've got to quick and move on because time's catching up. So what are the causes of overheating? Interruptions, inconveniences, immaturity. Three. And by the way, sometimes we say, our children, I can't believe they're acting like that. You know who they got it from? Mom and dad. <whistles> Boy, that hurt. That stung. I wish it changed. You just, and I need to look in the mirror. A lot of it getting from us. We don't want to admit it. I go back to what I said a minute ago. Oh, I did everything right. Did you? You didn't, did you? See, some of you are mad right now because I'm telling you the truth. And I don't want to see any elbows flying in the house of God today. I don't see any fingers pointing the house of God today. And look, if you leave this church today and you start arguing with your spouse, did you hear what Brother Randy said? You are out of the will of God. You let the Holy Spirit of God do that. Because all you're going to do is create World War III. So a lot of times we get, uh, did you, you hear what he just said? Hear what he just said? <laughs> hey, oh, how to keep uh, relationships, the cures. What are the cures? Therefore, as elect of God, I've already mentioned that, holy beloved of God, mercies, compassion. Can I just put it this way, wrapping this up? It takes grace, G-R-A-C-E, to love unconditionally and, watch, to treat people even though, treat them well and treat them nicely or treat them with respect or treat them from a Christian point of view, it takes grace to do that because it's not in my nature to do that. And not only that, but it takes grace to do, to treat, because here's the deal. See, if you agree with me, they don't deserve to be treated with grace. I can't hear you. And the fact is, you ready for this? I don't deserve to be treated with grace either. You don't either. But here's what God's saying right here. His grace is in place. And forgiving people and loving people because grace, if you've been saved, you've been forgiven, the Lord didn't say, I won't forgive you of that. No, 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 no. You did this, you dirty rat, you're going to suffer for it. You let God handle the consequences. Can I put it this way? We don't return evil for evil, but good for evil. 
in so doing, heaping coals of fire on their head. I'll be honest with you. We live in a society right now. You say something to me, I'm going to knock you out. You say something to me, I'm going to shoot you. We got anger in our heart. This is an angry society. And in the house of God, Christians, we develop that mindset of, I'm going to kill you. You, you cross me, and I'm going to cut you. Where in the world you get that in the Bible? Now, that doesn't mean you lay down as a doormat, Matt. Hear me. But God is the judge. And the faster you and I stop trying to play God in people's life, the better off we are. Well, I'm just going to punish them. I'm just going to do this because they did this to me. Loser. 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 Well, I can tell God's in this thing today. Mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind. Hardness or humbleness, what are you? Are you humble or are you hardened? Angry, bitter, rough. I don't care. I've had to make it my own. Self-made, come on. Meekness, this means gentleness. Gentleness, oh God, I need it. God, feel me. Long-suffering, patience. Come on. Forbearing one another. You know what this word means? God convicts me of this every time I read it. Y'all ready for this? Putting up with each other. Tell you what, it takes grace to put up with each other. I'll be honest with you. It's an absolute miracle. Look at me. It's an absolute miracle for two people to be living under the same roof. We have different core values. We have different biological makeups. I don't care what the world says about that. And not only that, but we are totally two different people, two different personalities. And for God to knit our heart together is nothing short of a miracle of God. Do you recognize that? Well, I wish you'd be like me. I wish you'd be like me. I'm not like you, and you're not like me. Bless God. Learning to appreciate people as they are. Letting God change them. And then forbearing, putting up with one another. Right now, somebody's agitated, irritated. Your husband, your wife, your children. God says, you put up with them. Hey, look what I put up with you, says the Lord. Forgiving. Here's what I want you to remember, and then my time's gone. Forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, as Christ forgave you, also you forgive. Hey, look. And put on the perfect bond of charity. That's love, unconditional love. Three words and I'm finished. Please write them down. One, let go. Two, hold on. Three, move on. There's some things we need to let go this morning. Do you agree with me? Man, you've been stewing for a long time. Let go. Forgiving one another. Yep. You can justify all you want to. God knows our heart. Let go. Who's going to let go of some stuff this morning? There's some things you need to hold on to. The grace of God. The mercies of God. Compassion with the loved ones we have. Using your influence because time is short. Hold on. Let go. There's some of us today need to move on. You're stuck. You've been stuck a long time. You've been mad a long time. And the devil's wearing you out. It's not just the hot water. You've been mad and angry. And you need to move on. You've been hurt. God can bring healing in your life if you'll ask him. You need to move on. You've been late. You're a walking time bomb. You need to move on. Stand together, would you?
Let's get honest with the Lord today, okay? Love you, appreciate you. Thank you for letting me share my heart today. I'm just being honest about my own personal needs. Father, oh Lord. Some things we need to let go today. And I pray now in the name of Jesus. You'll give us grace to let go of the hurts, the words, the offenses, the misunderstandings, the disrespect, the lack of love, all the stuff, Lord, that you know is going on in our families, in our life. We stand in great need. I do, Lord, before you. We need to move on. Help us to move on with you. Move on with you, having your purpose and meaning fulfilled in our life, rather than being bogged down stuff going on we can't control we can't change change my heart lord change our hearts lord we ask you to do it now trust you to do it now thank you for doing it right now in jesus name